1: up all of you podcast lovers out there and interneters? This is Ed Lover and it's time for another edition of Come On Son, the podcast. It has been a really weird week for me. A, a lot of highs and a lot of lows. The first thing is for the first time in my entire life, I have found myself worrying about the coronavirus. I never worried about any other virus, ever. I didn't worry about SARS, I didn't worry about Ebola. I didn't worry about whenever the the chicken was bad or when the kale was no good or whatever else we were going through. I've never worried about it. But for the first time, I'm actually worried about a virus. I don't know if it's that my birthday just passed and I'm getting older. I don't know what it is, but I know that I am absolutely worried about this coronavirus. And one of the things that shocked me to my core is that we actually have, a person or people out there, and we had a caller on my morning radio show on 104.3 Jams in Chicago. I actually had a caller that said that he stopped drinking Corona because of the coronavirus, and was dead ass serious. And then my man Minx, who's one of my best friends, told me about another friend, Don, who actually called him from the liquor store and said, yo, you know I usually drink Coronas? I'm on Heineken's now. I ain't touching them Coronas no more. People are Googling coronavirus beer. The sales of corona are down because people think that the corona beer has something to do with the coronavirus. It has absolutely nothing to do with the coronavirus. I'm walking in the studio every morning with disinfecting wipes and wiping down the whole studio, wiping down this microphone that I'm speaking on right now because other people come into the studio and use the microphone. I That's how worried I am about it. I'm really thinking about getting rubber gloves and a gas mask. I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm, I keep hearing rumors that they may start quarantining cities. I don't want to have nothing to do with none of that. If we get quarantined, I will not be quarantined here in Chicago. I will be quarantined back in Atlanta where my wife and my family are. That's where I'll be quarantined. And, the, the, and it's hitting older people more. Like, my mom is 81. Like, I really got to say, Mom, what are you doing, you know, to make sure you don't get this coronavirus? I got brothers in their 60s. My daughter just turned 37 years old. I'm 20 years old in the hut, so that makes me 57. So, listen, I'm not trying to get that coronavirus. I, I'm getting, I look crazy at my coworkers when they cough in the studio now. I feel weird when I sneeze. I feel weird when I get a headache. I had a headache the other day, and I was like, oh, God, please don't tell me I got the coronavirus. This thing is scaring everybody. I was gonna go do drink champs with DJ Effin' in Noriega. Then I realized that Noriega is from Corona Queens. I'm not going nowhere near Norie, all right, until this whole thing is over. Now I'll do drink champs later on. It honestly does. I live, uh, my apartment while I'm here in Chicago, is downtown Chicago. I got a lot of Asian people around me. And I'm, I'm sorry, I see them walking around with the mask on all the time. So if they wearing the mask, cause they got family members in mainland China and in Japan and all over the place. If they gonna wear the mask, I know I said stay away from me on a post on Instagram with those stupid fucking masks on. I think I might have to get me a mask. I'm gonna have to break down and go get me like a Gucci coronavirus mask or a Louis Vuitton because you know my joint gotta be stylish. Or I want different masks that match my Jordans. You know what I'm saying? I just gotta be extra with mine all the time. I think my man Fashion Geek Zo, uh, if you listening to this old start putting some fashion geek mask out so we can look a little stylish with it with those joints. I need a matching coronavirus belt to go around <laughs> to go along with my mask. That's how I'm doing it. Hey, listen, great podcast today. Um very special guest is Winston Duke. If you don't know who Winston Duke is, he's in Black Panther. He played. How you say it, Chris? Black. In Baku, he played in Baku in Black Panther, the third highest grossing film of all time. He was with uh, he was in Us, directed by Jordan Peele, played the father, and he has a new movie out on Netflix called Spencer Confidential. Now, if you as old as I am, you remember Spencer for Hire back in the eighties. This is a retake, or uh, 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 just taking Spencer for Hire and going in a different direction, and that's starting uh, starring him and Mark Wahlberg. Okay, He's playing Hawk, and Mark Wahlberg is playing Spencer. So Spencer Confidential on Netflix uh, right now. Y'all can check it out for yourselves. Him and I talk about that. We talk about Black Panther. We talk about a little bit about us. I don't know if we really got to but he's training. So we spent a lot of time talking about Caribbean stuff. We had a really good conversation. I got that coming up. And then right after that, my weekly rant that we call, come on, son. And he's a fan of Come On, Sons, too. All right? All that's coming up. Come on, son. Welcome to the Blue Cross Blue Shield performance stage. And it is my distinct pleasure to welcome Yale drama graduate, (laughs) Trinidad and Tobagon, Man, here from Rochester, New York. I know Rochester very well. They call it the Rock. Yeah, Mr. Winston Duke is in the building. Welcome, sir. Oh, thank you. Thank Welcome, you, sir. Thank Y'all you. get a shot of those sneakers. I got the same. <laughs> team. Man, we got the same taste in sneakers, man. Hey, man. Welcome, brother. Welcome. Welcome. What's happening, man? Ah, uh, nothing much, man. Just a lot of
0: good things. Being blessed, working hard, and uh, staying booked. You moved to Rochester at nine.
1: Yeah. Did you well, were bo- not
0: nine. I moved to the States at nine and then okay. moved to Rochester around age 14. 15.
1: Okay, so did you have a Trinidadian accent when you moved uh, on? A
0: big one, thick one. <laughs> you know what it is. How did
1: that work out for you? There's I a mean, lot of Trinities in Rochester, though.
0: Well, it started off in like Brooklyn, like Flatbush area.
1: Bro, you lived in Flatbush? Yeah. All right, my man. Now, now we can talk for real. Exactly. Now. You exactly. know, most of the Jamaicans that come to the United States, if they don't end up in Brooklyn, they in Queens, yeah. either either one. I think they just look at the map and say Jamaica, Jamaica <laughs> Queens, <laughs> Jamaica That's where Queens, I'm going. but there, Miami so, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So you had the experience mm-hmm. of Eastern Parkway, bro. Yes, 100%. please tell people about East. I be trying to describe it. I don't do a good enough job describing Eastern Parkway in Brooklyn.
0: Hey, man, well, which which part? Are you talking about the, the celebration? Or the are we talking about how it's man. changed over the years well? we as know well. how it's changed over the yeah, years. But yeah. the
1: celebration, man. Juve the night before, yes. and then when they do the big parade down Eastern Parkway, people don't understand that vibe,
0: right? Yeah, now. it's like nothing else. It's like nothing It's a celebration of culture. People are just in the streets. And it's carnival. It's a transplant of carnival in the States. Right. So it's a bl- blending situation it's people grinding on each other just being themselves
1: and it's food all up and down all
0: over man some roti some doubles yes brother, yes, yes, brother. Some Kal-a-loo. yeah some kalalu, all the way
1: up and down eastern parkway it's food vendors is yes. you get your peanut punch out there you get yeah, your sour bus out up shots yeah. yeah you could get anything that you want on Easter Parkway. Did you go to Carnival this year? My daughter I just did came not up.
0: because we had to start doing the press for this. Honestly, I'm uh, saying I'm going to Carnival is like a good luck charm for me. Anytime okay. I say I'm going to Carnival, I book a job. And I never <laughs> end up going to Carnival. So keep so saying you're going to Carnival. E- every year. Every year I'm going to say I'm going to Carnival.
1: Let me tell you something. When, I, when they said Winston Duke is coming in, we're going to sit down and talk to you for the radio show and for your podcast, I said, Winston Duke. I said, You talking about my man from Black Panther? Yes, they say, Yeah. So You talking about my man from us? You said, Yeah. I said, Winston. Winston. He has to be Caribbean.
0: That is the. That <laughs> ain't is no just American a, Winstons from today. Nah, nah, bro. Yeah. Ain't no whole Winston. Winston, of- Oliver, anything like that. <laughs> any, any name? Donovan. Donovan. Yes.
1: I used to date a girl. Yeah. The most Jamaicanist name yeah. ever.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Primrose.
0: Oh, my God. I did it a girl named Titian Rose. Titian Rose. Rose. Wow. Back in Trinidad. Is she Trinidadian? Trinidad, Shout out to
1: my whole yeah. girl, uh, Charlene, that's watching this straight out of Trinidad. Been very much, very much time, a Trinity name,
0: Charlene. Long time. Charlene at Woods or something like that?
1: From Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Dowridge is her last name. How'd you go from Brooklyn? to Rochester, to Yale. I'm interested in that transition.
0: Yo, that's just a testament to black mothers, man. My mom recognized my sister's talent back in Tobago. My sister always wanted to be a doctor, so when she graduated high school at 16, my mom sold everything we had, said, you can be a doctor, it's just not gonna happen here on this island, and we moved to Brooklyn so my sister could start going to City College, and now she's a doctor. So I moved with my sister while she was in medical school in uh, Rochester. I moved with her uh, because she saw... So you saw, left your
1: mom's house and went with your sister? Yeah. She was in Rochester medical school. Wow.
0: Yeah. So my sister saw that the, the high school in that area was ranked 10th in the country. So at 22, my sister said, Jenna, come live with me. Get away from this area. I want you to come and like be with me, get some different opportunities. And she took care of me at 22. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah. So while in medical school, while
0: in medical school, while in medical school. And then I had the opportunity to watch her grind, watch her hustle, watch her dream and then formulate my own. You know, I wasn't actually going to even go to college. My sister was the one who filled out all the college applications wow, and said, you're going to go to school like you don't have a choice. Nope. No, nope. You're
1: not going back to Brooklyn.
0: You're not going back to Brooklyn. My Neither, mom, no. I even called my mom <laughs> trying to like be like, I want to help you out. I'm going to get a job and work. And she was like, nope, we came here so you could do something different. Mm-hmm. And they made me go, and I'm here today, sitting with you.
1: How did you get caught up in, in acting? Was it school? Was it high school?
0: I started in high school, so I started uh, just um, doing different things in high school. a high school teacher kind of recognized. So I was a little bit I was a little bit shy, uh, a little bit introverted, and then I just kind of would come alive whenever I had to do things in front of the class, any presentation. And she said, counterintuitively, you come alive when you get in front of people. I'm going to sign you up for the school uh, theater club. And what's really great about her is she never saw, that, uh, saw me and thought, hey, you probably got ADD or something. Yeah. She saw a talent and invested in it. So that was the first step. After that, it just kept snowballing into more things.
1: And then off, after high school, where did you go? High school went
0: to college at University of Buffalo. You know, another cold SUNY up there, school. Bro. Real cold, Ooh, similar to can't, Chicago. Can't can <laughs>
1: do it. Can deal with it. <laughs> That's a culture shock because Buffalo in itself is way colder than Brooklyn. Way colder than Brooklyn. It's super cold up in Buffalo. It's super cold,
0: but you know, I had a lot of those same Brooklyn people coming up to that school. Okay, they were getting out of the city themselves. We're all part of like the educational opportunity program at SUNY Buffalo. And we just we took care of each other, you know what I mean So we would meet up, cook, all that stuff, you know, get some oxtails going up there, <laughs> keeping uh, Buffalo Buffalo real.
1: Yeah. And then from Buffalo you how did you go from Buffalo? To so God?
0: from Buffalo, you know the family immigrant family was like, so you're gonna spend you're gonna invest in pretending to be someone else for your whole life. No. <laughs> That's not going to happen So they were like, you're going to go pre-law So I was pre-law for a second Did the LSATs, did all that And I said, I'm not going to go And I took a year off college In that time, I just auditioned all over the East Coast uh-huh. Wasn't making the traction I wanted And I said, I'm going to go to grad school I'm going to go to grad school And I took all the money I had saved I had a little day job uh, at like Urban Outfitters in Baltimore No way, time. bro Yeah Wow and my, uh, I was actually, again, so my sister moved, she was doing her residency, and I moved in with her for, like, a couple months while I was down there, and while I was down there, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go to grad school, and I took everything I had, uh, which was, like, a couple thousand dollars, invested in just doing all those grad school auditions, and I got into Yale.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah,
0: where, you know, I would later become friends with Lupita Nyong'o, and you know, do that thing and come out and work with her and Ryan Coogler and everybody else. So,
1: it is just, it true that yeah. that y'all used to talk about one day doing a Marvel movie?
0: Uh, we went to we went to see uh, the first Avengers together. Okay, we went to see the first Avengers together. She was uh, she was one year ahead of me, and we went to the movies together. And we're sitting there watching Hulk Hulk out, and we're like, "You think we're gonna be able to do a movie like this one day?" And she's like, "I hope, I hope this that would be cool." But like we we're all just like starving actors back then.
1: Right. How did how did you get the part in Black Panther? How many auditions? What was your? Audition
0: oh man, audition one? process was like four months. Wow. Four months of just auditioning, auditioning, not knowing what they wanted, not knowing what they were trying to find. Um, I was in a room with Sterling K. Brown. He was auditioning for the same role. I was like, not gonna get this one. <laughs> right, <laughs> Sterling right. K. Brown's wow. in the house. Wow. At um, jeez, what's that brother's name again? He had played Mike Tyson. You remember him? Oh, uh, he's in all those uh, martial arts movies. Uh, oh, you whoa. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Christa,
1: come on. Michael J. White. Yeah. In a room with Michael J. You're, yeah, oh yeah. I was just like melted into the background
0: completely. I was like, I'm not getting this one, bro. Right. Like at the end of the day, you know, uh, I'm not getting whatever this is. And I had no idea what I was auditioning for because really? Disney was keeping it tight-lipped. All I was, they told me I was going in for undisclosed Marvel project. Okay. And he was there. Sterling K. Brown's there, and I'm like. Man, this one—this is a loaded room. A couple other people were there, too. And I was like, okay, let me just trust in God and, and pray this one out and go in that room and do me. I went in there. They loved the audition. I didn't hear back for another, like, four weeks. Gave <laughs> up on it. They called me back for an audition. I did another audition quickly. Didn't hear back for another three weeks. Wow. Then they called back after I just gave up. And they said, you know, you have a director session with Ryan Coogler. And it just said, oh that's it that's what i'm doing that's what i've been doing this whole time It's black panther right because i knew ryan coogler was directing black panther okay you heard it disney okay right it was big news by that time okay that ryan coogler had was gonna direct black panther for uh disney and i go in the room i meet ryan he's real cool really unassuming just like good dude um is like you just make it more personal. He just make it more personal. He just make it more personal. I just, I uh, he would just whisper all this stuff into my ear. Go back, and the cool thing about him that I thought was interesting that day was he was he was never watching me. He would just stop, and he was just listening to the scene and bopping his head. He was just listening to the scene. He never looked up. He was just listening, listening, and he would come back and give me like the sharpest note okay. on how to shift the scene. Right. And then did that for like 45 minutes. He had me do it like 30, 40 different ways. I was wow. like, I don't know what this man wants. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. And then, you know, I didn't hear back for maybe another three weeks. And then they called me and they said they wanted to do a screen test. And then that that was that was insane. I was like... Did you screen test
1: alone? Or who-
0: I was a screen test with, um I, I screen tested with uh, Chadwick. So I went in there, saw Chadwick Boseman. I was like, wow, this is really happening, huh? Right. Okay, I'm ready. By that point, your boy was ready. Right. Ready. I had gone through it. I had done that monologue by myself. I did it in front of people. I worked with, like, an acting coach. I was ready. They were like, you want to warm up? You want to do something? I was like, no, I'm ready. Right. So I warmed up because they wanted to warm up. And then I got in front of them. I did the the scene with Chadwick. They had us wrestle a little bit. Okay. And we got done and Chadwick went, wow. And Ryan Coogler looked at him and said, he told you he was ready. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And... That was the fastest turnaround to me knowing any kind of information based on that project. I found out I got it about 48 hours later.
1: Where were you when you found out you got it? Uh, I went to see
0: my sister. So my sister is now a doctor and has her own practice in Las Vegas. Uh-huh. So I went to see my sister and my mom's, and we were just sitting down having dinner, and I got the call. And Did you lose it? I did. I did <laughs> in, the I saw, in the restaurant? In the restaurant. I started like... <laughs> like, weeping, and they're like, what's, what's going on? I was like, I got it. And they're like, what, what, what? And I was like, I told them everything, because I was keeping it. Yeah. I, you know, Caribbean people are superstitious. You've been around yeah, yeah, enough yeah, Caribbean yeah, people. Yeah. You've been around enough Caribbean people. We're superstitious. So I don't like putting anything out there until it's, it's solid, until right. it's, like, it's done. Like, so even being in this industry where you promote before the movie even comes out is new for us you know what I mean right. we, we move in silence yes sir Um and I didn't want to say anything I didn't want them knowing anything I didn't want them putting any pressure because they are like so you got that job yet you working yet <laughs> right any yeah, of that because if
1: it don't happen they'd be the first one why are you telling me you're going to be in the movie and then and they, they the blame movie. you they go right. so where
0: do wrong <laughs> so what you do wrong right yeah. so that's the thing so I didn't want to deal with any of that and i let them know and they going crazy They're like you got a black panther my mother has no idea what <laughs> any kind of comic book is she's calling all our relatives i'm like you can't say nothing she's like Winston, i got a job in black panther you know yeah i started calling it pink panther all kind of names you know what <laughs> i mean she started she started changing that name up all day
1: when the movie was complete did you have any idea that it was going to be as big as it was
0: So, while we were shooting it, we had no real idea. And I have to be honest about it. We did not have any idea of the impact that it would have. We thought we were making a movie for kids. We thought we were making a movie that would resonate with kids and give them something to dress up as in the next Halloween. Right. Uh, We had little glimpses of moments where it felt really special on that set, Mm. where we would look around and saw that it was a set full of just black people full of, a set full of like 200 extras with a budget with a major over 100 million dollar budget. Wow and we're like, oh wow this is this is crazy or we had a scene that scene where you know and uh, Baku's coming out and we look up and it's the waterfall and we had these drummers from the country Burundi right and mm. they' they're Burundi royal drummers. And the story about the Burundi Royal drummers is that for a very long time in history, they weren't allowed to play for anyone else but the Burundi Royal family. Oh, wow. Right? And they're in this movie playing their drums, announcing the arrival of the Jabari tribe. And in between the takes, they're like doing Snoop. They're doing doom, 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 doom. Snoop! And you got like two hundred extras going, (laughs) right? And you're like, yo, (laughs) Uh, Daniel Kaluuya reached across. It was like, yo, this is this is madness. Yeah, this is mad. Do you know what's about to happen? I was, I was like, I I can't really see it in that way. And we knew we had something special. The next time we knew we had something really special for sure because we hadn't seen it. And a movie like this that has so much CGI, you don't know what it is until you see it. Right. Because a lot of the times we're just acting towards like a green screen. Okay. So like you're like, oh, this is a 400-foot tall waterfall. But to us, it's like a six-foot drop. Uh, Just a green screen. Yeah. Right? So the first time we all saw anything, Chadwick included, was at San Diego Comic-Con. And we're in front of, we're in panel, it was called Hall H, and I think there's 2,000 people or something like that in that hall. It's one of the biggest halls at San Diego Comic-Con. And it's the first time they preview the trailer. And we're all looking back like this at the monitor and watching the trailer. Out here is an audience of 2,000 people. You could hear uh, 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 just everybody's just dead silent just watching this thing and the trailer wraps we turn around everyone's dead silent and all at once they just jump to their feet and started <sighs> crazy crazy and the energy literally slaps you in the face because it comes from complete dead silence to just roaring Applause and everybody, it just became hot on stage. Lupita's <laughs> like fanning herself, you know. Uh, Danai is up there, everybody's hugging, and we just knew we saw those black bodies. We saw, you know, uh, it was Kendrick Lamar, right? They had that Kendrick yeah. Lamar piece, like, I got, I got, I got, I got royalty inside my right. DNA. It was like, yo, Crazy. this is what's coming. That was the next one. And then when we premiered, and I saw Chadwick Bozeman got out of a car at the premiere, and Disney did this whole rollout where, um, the you know those women, the the Dora Milaje, uh-huh. his his guards, his guards come around the car, and they open the car, and like he had his own personal drummer. One of his friends is like an African drummer, and he was like beating the drums, like announcing him onto the red carpet. I was like, whoa. <laughs> You are giving the average every man a history of royalty right now. Do you understand what that's going to mean for everyone's psyche? Do you understand of what that's going to mean to shift how people see themselves? That's when I knew.
1: How do you go from that? Now you got your first. This your first movie on Netflix?
0: Ah, uh, This is my first Spencer movie. on Yes.
1: You, the great Mark Wahlberg, who I've known since he was. For years, on, right? Way back. On Netflix. Peter Berg is directing it. You're playing Hawk. Any similarities between Spencer Confidential and you're probably too young to remember this this TV show Spencer, Spencer for, for Hire. Hire.
0: Yeah, it's the same show. Okay. So it's an updated retelling of that narrative. Okay, and you yeah. play Hawk.
1: Tell me who I Hawk play is. Hawk.
0: So Hawk. Uh, so our version of Hawk is pretty much. Uh, a child of the today, of the now, right? So, you know, I I knew of Avery Brooks's Hawk yeah. from Spencer for Hire. Yeah. Cool, suave, debonair brother, bald head, like, action-packed kind of dude. And we're updating the story and, and making Hawk this MMA athlete who is, you know... uh trying to fight recidivism coming out of jail and trying to find and make a new life for himself okay um looking for family uh in boston and ends up finding that family in the most unlikely space finding a family that he's willing to risk his life for
1: and that's spencer that's spencer that's, mark that's Wahlberg. yeah mark
0: Wahlberg, alan arkin you know and we got my
1: man in there, Bo Keem Woodbine. Bo Keem killed Love it. Him.
0: Amazing. And he kills every single role. Yeah, he does, he dude. does. not he? Doesn't does. He shows yeah. up every single time. Ray yes. killed it in yes. every single thing. So we got Bo Keem in there holding it down and killing it, killing his role. I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who okay. hasn't seen it. But um, yeah, Hawk is just this. He's a warrior archetype, but with a heart of gold. He's this guy who has a wounded child kind of thing going on with him on the inside and is a bit of a mystery for most of the movie, you know, but he is Spencer's partner, thick and thin.
1: And it premieres on Netflix Friday, yeah. March 6th. Friday,
0: March 6th. Yeah. Yeah, it's That's a, a it's look. just a really fun throwback to those, like, 48 hours type of movies. Love it. Yeah. Comedy, comedy action. Yeah, comedy, action, thriller. Uh, it has a heart, you know what I mean? Because it is dealing with that whole narrative of like found families, Yeah, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's beautiful. It's, it's something for everybody and it does, it's talking about gentrification in Boston. It's Boston, a space that we think we know, that we've seen, and then you're looking at it in a whole different way uh, under a different lens. Uh, so we get to do a whole lot of things without it being too heavy handed and just mm. being fun.
1: And you had a good time doing it? Very
0: good time doing it. Your first
1: it. time meeting Mark Wahlberg?
0: Very first time.
1: Did you have to train as did you do any MMA training? So,
0: I was uh working on this project for the Kimbo Slice movie cuz oh, I was attached. Okay. Yeah, I was attached to play Kimbo Slice, we're still trying to figure that out. Okay. So, I was doing a lot of research on MMA and mixed martial arts and training my body for that. Um, And we got to work with a couple guys from uh, the UFC themselves. We had one guy, uh, Cowboy Sharon, who just fought uh, McGregor the other yeah. day. Uh, didn't go too well. Didn't go too well for Gregor. At all, at all. But, you know, he's a professional, so he'll bounce back. And he helped us um, create what I call like the fight language. Okay. Deciding what the fights are gonna look like inside the ring versus outside the ring. Okay. So when Hawk is fighting a guy who is prepared to fight him versus a guy who is trying to just kill him with a machete or something. Okay. You know, he's gonna put him through a wall, he's gonna throw him over a table, you know, that kind of stuff. You're so you had to do all of that. I had to do all of that and it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> it was, really was a little of bit it. of a departure <laughs> from all the other heavy things that I was doing, you know? It was really right. great.
1: Right. Man, that comes out on Friday, March 6th. We appreciate you they giving me the wrap-up sign. I wish I had oh, more time. Yeah, well, we could always chop it up about again. We ain't gonna talk about us. I want to talk more about a whole lot of different stuff with man, you. Man. But I appreciate you, Mr. Winston Duke. All day, My man. My Brooklyn brother. You always gonna be a Brooklyn kid to me, <laughs> all right? Yes, sir. <laughs> Come on, son, son. It it's time for my weekly rant that we call Come On Son. That's a big hit with my man Winston Duke. He loves my Come On Son. Y'all heard the conversation. Y'all heard the man say it. First and foremost, let's start with Chad Cinco. Come on, son. How are you on Instagram begging for McDonald's money and telling people to hit you on the Cash App and people were actually hitting you on the Cash App, sending you five and ten dollars, fifteen dollars so you can have mcdonald's for breakfast mcdonald's is the official breakfast of my morning show i don't have to get on instagram and beg people for money and what happened to your nfl money bro did you blow all your nfl money have you has has it gotten that bad that you have to go on instagram and beg people to send you money through cash app come on son you should be embarrassed son Come on, son. You made enough money in the NFL. You should still have some money. And if you don't have no money, then you stupid, son. Fuck out of here with that bullshit. And speaking of stupid, the New York Knicks. I told y'all a long time ago, I'm not messing with the New York Knicks anymore. I didn't like the way they treated Charles Oakley. I don't like the product they putting on the floor. I don't like the fact that they're firing good coaches for no other reason than the general manager who's drafting all of these people can't draft the proper team. Then y'all go and y'all fuck with Spike Lee. Come on, son. The most famous New York Knicks fan ever. The man that was on first take with Stephen A. Smith, who revealed that Spike has spent over $10 million on his floor seats on the New York Knicks. Do you know what a floor seat for the New York Knicks costs that Spike pays for for every home game? $3,400 per ticket, and he always buys two. So round that off, Spike is spending $7,000 of his own money For season tickets on the floor per game at the Knicks game, and he walks into an entrance that he's always walked into, and y'all going to give him hell and harass him and tell him he has to go outside and come back in? Spike Lee's son? And then James Dolan, the owner of the New York Knicks, comes to Spike Lee and tells Spike Lee, we got to talk. And Spike is like, talk about what? And then the New York Knicks organization tried to spin it like it was all just a misunderstanding. That's not a misunderstanding when you disrespect a loyal fan like Spike Lee. Do you know anybody that goes to a New York Knicks game, goes there to see if Spike Lee is going to be sitting courtside? Yeah, Jay used to show up, Jay-Z and Beyonce every now and then, but Spike is a loyal fan of the New York Knicks, the Knicks' greatest fan, a man that grew up on the Knicks, that put the Knicks in several of his movies. And this is the way he gets treated? Because y'all talking about he came in the wrong. We got a new policy. You can't come in that entrance anymore. Fuck out of here, New York Knicks. That's why I don't mess with your bum asses anymore. I'm not messing with the Knicks until Dolan sells the team. Come on, son. When you disrespect Spike Lee, I take that to heart. I take that to my soul. I take that. That's a that's a a, a shot at me. That's how I feel about it. So New York Knicks organization. Fuck out of here with that bullshit son and come on son and speaking of come on son and no loyalty Megan the stallion Drop the new album. Where's your loyalty to your record company Megan? How you gonna go and get with rock nation and they start telling you something wrong with your contract now? All of a sudden you want to beef with it with your record company in the first place, when they found you, you was nobody, sister. They put the money behind you. They put the promotion behind you. Don't let Rock Nation gas your ass up. You ain't Jay-Z and you ain't Beyonce, Megan. Now I like your music. I'ma give you that, sister. Never met you, but you're all right with me. But stay loyal, sister. Now you wanna renegotiate your contract? Come on, son. You signed it. You should have read it. You should have had your own attorney read it. You signed it. Now you have to live with it. That's it. You got to live with it. And speaking of people that got to live with it, Nicki Minaj's husband. I don't even know this dude's name. My producer's in the room. Crystal, what's Nicki Minaj's husband's name? Ill. I don't know. She don't know. She said ill too. You know why? Because he's a sex offender. When he was 16, he went to jail for attempted rape on another, it figures his name is Petty. He a petty motherfucker, all right? Then in 2019, you ride your wife's coattail, y'all move to California, and you don't register as a sex offender knowing you're a sex offender, bro? Come on, son. Fuck out of here with that bullshit. You're an idiot, bro. How don't you register as a sex offender knowing that you're a sex offender, bro? And Nicki Minaj, to me, what's up? Your brother's a sex offender, just went to jail. Your husband's a sex offender. What does that say about you, sister? And I got faith in you. I love you. You are the company that you keep. I love you, sister. I think you one of the dopest MCs out there, male or female, and I defend you on every platform, but I can't defend you on this one. When your brother's a sex offender, then you marry a sex offender. That says something about your mentality and you're supposed to be standing up for women. So what does that say about that? Come on, son. Fuck out of here with that bullshit. And while I'm talking about bullshit, I'm about tired of cheap people. Cheap people are getting on my last freaking nerve. Stop smooching. Please. Bum dudes get on my nerve. Y'all always want to sit around and drink and talk and drink your bottles up and don't put nothing on the table. Friends like that. You want to get in free, but everybody that gets you in free, you don't even offer the bottom a drink or nothing. You a moocher. Mooching-ass females that only come around when there's bottles on the table, sit right there with you when, you when you're having dinner with them because you think you're cute. You think somebody's supposed to take you to dinner, then you don't even offer to lead a tip. You a bum-ass bitch. I'm telling you straight up and down, man. All right? You don't know what you're doing. Stay in your lane. You a fucking bum, and you cheap. Stop being cheap. If you ain't got it, say you ain't got it. But don't be mooching off of other people that got it. Stop being a freaking bum and the last thing I want to say is to all of my people out there on Twitter and the Twitterverse if you're going to use the word bumber clot please use it correctly <laughs> I've been around Jamaican people my entire life some of my greatest friends are Jamaican like my boy Chin Jamaican Chinese my stepfather was a Jamaican okay my real dad died my mom started dating a Jamaican dude I was real close to him pure Jamaican good dude he would roll over in his grave if he seen the way that y'all using the word bumberclot. That's not what clot means. Please use it correctly, or don't use it at all, or I will sick some of my Jamaican shower posse friends on that ass. Okay? Stop jumping on the bandwagon of shit on Twitter, doing shit when you don't know what you're doing. If you don't know what bumberclot really, really means, stop using it in the wrong context. Okay? Dick wads, knock it off. I'm Ed Lover, and I approve this message. Come on, son. Come on, son. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is being brought to you by Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. No, I'm only playing. <laughs> nah. Nah. <laughs> nah. Y'all keep going first. Everything else will fall into place. We'll talk at y'all next week, man. Y'all know what it is. Come on, son. This episode of Come On, Sun, the podcast is produced and engineered by co-executive producers Krista Hayes and Kimana Paulus in downtown Chicago. This is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.